Welcome back to another Edge Got In podcast. Thank you for pushing the pause button today to Edge Got In to your mind, your will, and those emotions. I'm coming to today's podcast after being inspired this morning with my time with God, after a good friend and colleague sent me uh, some incredible preaching on emotion. And I was so moved that I actually wrote on my whiteboard, and I'm reading it to you now, when Jesus expressed emotion, strong emotion, the power of God showed up. This was evident in the garden at the tomb of Lazarus when he wept, at the garden when he threw himself on the ground, let this cup pass from me. He was so stressed out. He was bleeding blood, which is actually an anxiety stressed condition that can happen. You can imagine the fear he was experiencing in the humanness at that moment. And he also experienced it in the temple and other places. Whenever he showed strong emotion, the power of God showed up. How is that possible in the midst of strong emotion? Because his identity was grounded in God. He never forgot whose he was, who he was, why he was here, his purpose, his mission, even in the midst of strong emotions. And he asked for the strength, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me but not my will, yours be done. So God came and met him there and those strong emotions, the power of God showed up in an angel that strengthened him so much so that when the soldiers came to collect Jesus and ask where he was, he wasn't hiding. He stepped up and said, I am he, I'm the one you're looking for. Knowing that he was opening the door to his crucifixion. What happened at the, at the tomb of Lazarus? He wept right before the power of God raised a dead man through his faith. The power of God showed up in the midst of strong emotion. The power of God showed up many different times in the Gospels. And so this is just kind of a little caveat side message for you. And perhaps this is the main reason you're tuning in today. God has something for you today. Perhaps it's what I just said. Perhaps it's when we're going to get into today's topic. Either way, be attentive. Jesus is after you. I remember when I was going through advanced cancer and divorce, and one of the things that the Holy Spirit taught me was, don't fear your emotions. Lift them up and allow me to transform them into something beautiful even bigger than what you're going through right now. But don't be afraid. Give yourself permission to feel any and every emotion and invite me into all of it. And I will guide you to higher ground. So that's not even today's topic. I was just fired up and wanted to share that with you today. This is your first time to the Edge Guide In podcast. Please visit some of our resources. You can visit us at edgeguidein.com. Our mission statement is to champion your human potential in Christ. We are quickly becoming the voice of the Emotional Intelligence in Christ Project. You can find more information about that. We just launched a course. We have a book, workshop. We're working on a six-week Bible study by God's grace and a certification program coming up. So explore that at emotionalintelligenceinchrist.com. There's also a one sheet at edgegodin.com. Didn't know if you knew that. There's a one sheet to capture your learnings. And it's based, my, my um, continued education master's is in adult education with an emphasis in human resources development. 
And it, th- one of the things that I did take away is, is that learning does have a cycle. It does have a process that you can up the odds that you remember and be able to apply what you have learned. And so that one sheet that was created on our site, edgegodin.com, has those five learning steps. So feel free to access that, print that out, and capture your learnings for today. Today's topic, Jesus is coming back. Are you ready? Our learning objective for today, when you walk away from today's podcast, is that you will have at least three, three main invitations, guidelines from Jesus, specific guidelines, simple to remember. I've been thinking about them myself all week as the Lord placed this topic on my heart at the beginning of the week. Very easy to, to repeat as you're going through your day. You'll walk away with these three invitations, guidelines that Jesus specifically gave to get ready. Are you ready? Holy Spirit, we thank you for this opportunity to meet together. May the words of my mouth, meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. For the edification of everyone who's joining this call, you have something for each human being that is joining today to strengthen their faith their understanding of the depth of your love for them in the midst of hardship, in the midst of strong emotions, in the midst of our need to know why things happen as they do or how things will turn out. You enter all of that messiness of our humanness. And we're just so grateful for that. Thank you, Father God. We love you so much. In your most precious name we pray. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. If you have your Bibles, please turn to chapter Matthew chapter 24 and 25. Signs of the end times. So Matthew chapter 24, this is a good one. I've read it several times this week. There is a phrase that Jesus uses. Actually, there are a few phrases, and this is part of the learning objective, the guidelines that he, that he states in Matthew chapter 24 and 25. The first one, can be found in 24 verse 4. Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I'm the Christ. You'll hear tons of rumors of things that are going to happen. Nation rising against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines, earthquakes. All these are the beginning of birth pains. So the first guideline, invitation, simple word is watch. Keep watch, keep watch. He mentions this several times, actually, I believe four times in chapter 24 and 25 to watch, keep watch. So what does that mean? It means to be awake, attentive. Lord, what do you want me to say to this person here? I'm working for you, not for myself. I am your ambassador. How do you want me to speak to this person? What kind of crucial conversation do you want me to have with someone I care very deeply about? How do you want that to roll out? So watch, watch yourself. Watch what you think about. Watch what you meditate on. Watch your judgments, your filters, bring them all before the Lord and keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. He is the one by the power of the Holy Spirit within you that will help you keep watch until he comes back. Keep watch on the things of heaven, not on the things of earth. We, and this theme actually is summed up in keep watch. 
And Paul backs that up as well when he talks about in, in uh, the two, two letters to Timothy, 1 Timothy 6.11, he says two things uh, to help us keep watch. He says, flee this and pursue that. I'm always praying for the grace to make the complex simple and applicable. So perhaps one of your one to three things that you want to take from today, uh, the first one is to keep watch. Just watch. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you to be attentive to the things of God so that you can grow in his grace. Help me to be ready, Lord. Help me to do a good job. Help me to do everything I do in excellence for your glory, not mine. Help me to get out of your way. Because man, I get, I get large and in charge sometimes. <laughs> and I think it's all about me. Perhaps you can relate to that. But Paul, in his letter to, to Timothy, he simply gives a list in 6.11. Keep watch, because this is part of your prep work, right? Well, what do I do when I keep watch? You flee this, the love of money, he says, and you pursue that. What is that? Righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Be kind to everyone. Avoids foolish and stupid arguments and godless chatter. This is all prep invitation for us, my brothers and sisters in Christ. I remember training up for my black belts, and I used to practice so hard just to master one uh, specific kick. It was called the butterfly kick. And I was required for the second degree black belt to be able to do a couple of those in a row, the butterfly kick. And I could not for the life of me get my body to do that yet at first. However, hours of practice and practice and practice, it literally became like breathing to me to just crank out three butterfly kicks in a row. And this is what God is calling us to. This is our training outside the ring. When we read the scriptures, when we are in our our quiet time, when we are before the Lord in church, in mass, in uh, Bible study, wherever we are worshiping the Lord, this is our training time. This is training up so that you can be successful in the ring and outshine the darkness. So this is when you meditate on scriptures like Matthew 24, 25, 1 Timothy 6, 11. These will all be listed, by the way, at edgegodin.com under this title of this podcast. So, so don't worry about writing them down if you're not in a position to do so. Just listen, lean in, flee from the love of money and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. So which one out of those words lands for you today? Need more endurance? The ability to continue to get up one more time to press on, trust God, Perhaps it's gentleness. Perhaps people are giving you feedback or you're not finding the engagement that you desire. Ask the Holy Spirit to help your words to come across with the love and gentleness and kindness of Christ. Perhaps you're looking for more love. Look for opportunities that the Holy Spirit can guide you to love. Love evokes more love. Maybe it's godliness. Maybe you're slipping in a few areas. Jesus adores you right where you're at. He loves you enough not to leave you there because he knows the pain that it creates in your heart and mind. And that goes, goes true for righteousness as well. Second Timothy 2, Paul says again, flee this, pursue that. Flee the evil desires of youth. So the first one is flee the love of money. Why? Because the, the love of money is the root of all evil. That's a popular verse. Perhaps you've heard that. Why, it, why is that? Because it's an attachment. I need this certain amount of money so that I could feel secure. 
enough. And oftentimes we'll sugarcoat it. We'll say, no, I just want to have a lot of money so I can give money to other people. Really? How much are you giving now with the money that God's given you now? Because that's where Jesus says, hey, you've been really faithful with a little. So I'm going to put you in charge of a lot. So how faithful are we with what we do have right now in terms of how much, how generous we are in our hearts? Then Paul switches in 2 Timothy chapter 2 to flee from the evil desires of youth. Okay, so I know my youth. I call them my BC days. <laughs> no good. NG. In fact, when I went out to college in Colorado and I was sharing with my Bible study group friends that were, ended up being my lifelong friends, some of the things I used to do BC before Christ, they're like, no way, you used to do that. And I'm like, uh, yeah. That's why I've worked with the youth group and I'm going to continue to work with the youth group because uh, I can relate to the things that hijack young people and young adults because I was hijacked many times. And whatever you go through, just know that God is huge on repurposing. When you've been trained in the trenches, he'll put you on the front lines because those who have suffered can now be in a position to reach back and help those and be an encouragement to those who are going through suffering in any way. So what is it for you? Flee from what? What is the Lord asking you to flee from today? Perhaps it's gossiping. Perhaps it's negative thinking, sabotaging, listening, talking to the snake. Don't talk to the snake. That's actually another Edge God in podcast if you haven't heard that one. What is it for you that the Holy Spirit is moving you to flee from? In fact, perhaps that's your one takeaway from today. Get on your knees before the Holy Spirit. Show me what you want me to release and let go of and flee from. Then he says, and pursue righteousness, faith, and love. So when you're doing a little word comparison, the three top things that are repeated, because Paul repeats himself in 2 Timothy, are righteousness, faith, and love. And we'll throw in peace as well. So that gives us a little more specifics in terms of, all right, what are we watching for? We're watching our behavior. What is the behavior when we aren't in love, when we aren't kind, when we're judgmental, when we're gossiping, when we're um, taking offense? Ooh, that's a good one especially in our society today. Well, no shocker, Jesus is coming back. And Jesus said himself, in the end times, people will take offense. Paul reaffirms that. Offense will increase in the end times. So what's so huge about offense? Offense is complete self-absorption. It's fueled by selfishness. It's fueled by self-focus, concern about what people will think. You've said something that's offended me. We're not talking about Crucial Conversations, and that's an excellent book if you haven't read that. In Crucial Conversations, one of the simple um, invitations is that you can be 100% honest and 100% respectful. Hey, what you said really hurt my feelings. Perhaps you didn't intend to do that. Perhaps you didn't know it did, but it did. That was hurtful. And I own my emotions. And I care enough about the relationship just to bring that up, just to let you know. Offense, when you are offended, your first reactive response, and I say reactive response, comes from the primal brain. Offense actually comes from the, the place in the brain 
which is the bottom-up thinking as they refer to it in neuroscience. I find it very interesting in neuroscience that they refer to bottom-up thinking and top-down thinking. Top-down thinking is when you're in the frontal cortex, you're solution-focused, you're able to put on the brakes to get off the stage, do some mindfulness, some thinking, hmm, what do you want me to do, God? But the bottom-up thinking, that's when you're hijacked into fortune-telling, mind-reading, all-or-nothing thinking, catastrophizing, all of those dark places that Satan slithers around and holds us captive. We can't keep watch when we're in the bottom-up thinking. An offense is a ramification of being in bottom-up thinking. You only have three reactive choices, fight, flight, or freeze. And we're seeing that go viral in our society today. So come on back. Jesus has mighty work to do through you and through me. And he desires that we keep our lights on in, in him, that top-down thinking. Top-down, meaning from God down to us. You show me how you want me to show up. What do you want me to flee from? What do you want me to pursue, God? So Jesus's first invitation is keep watch. Paul backs that up from flee this and pursue that. The second invitation that Jesus uses is the first time he declares it is in uh, Matthew 24, at least in, in the two chapters, 24 and 25, is Matthew 24, 13. But he who stands firm in the end will be saved. And let me put this in context. Jesus is, is saying, hey, watch out. There's going to be people that are going to show up and deceive you. There'll be rumors of wars. It'll be very easy to get hijacked by fear, basically. Also, just wanted to let you know, Jesus is saying in verse 9, he says, then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you'll be hated by the nations because of me. Sound familiar? At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. There's that word deceive again. He says it uh, right in the beginning in verse five, and then he repeats it again in verse 11. Don't be deceived. Keep watch. Don't be deceived. Keep watch and, and stand firm. Keep watch. Have your eyes open of your mind, your will, your emotions in Christ, with Christ, through Christ, and his love for you. You can't give out what you haven't mastered within. Watch out for being deceived. Stand firm is the action step. So keep watch is the first one. Stand firm. He, this is such a powerful verse that's easy to overlook. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. I am so guilty in this. I don't know if you are. I've seen some things over the last couple of years, and my heart has become bitter over certain things. And it's, it's literally caused me to hit my knees profoundly. And that's why I'm a big fan of praying the litany of humility. There's another litany, if you haven't looked it up, called the litany of trust. It's a nine-day prayer you can, you can uh, bring before the Lord. It's a little bit of a crossover of the litany of humility. Humility and trust walk hand in hand, because when I'm humble and I know that no good thing comes from me except by the hand of God, then that calms down my judgment of other people. And it also keeps my heart warm in Christ, meaning I don't become hard-hearted, which is what Jesus is saying. Hey, watch out because 
wickedness is increasing. You think? Hello? This was like, this hit me right between the eyes when I, when I read this and I thought, um, are you coming back tomorrow? Because it's looking pretty wicked around here. <laughs> so Jesus is coming back. Are you ready? Be careful. Be very careful because Jesus is giving you a heads up. As the wickedness increase, you will be tempted to grow cold. The love in your heart will turn to bitterness, judgment, defensiveness, reactive behavior. Keep watch. Stand firm. Don't give it that power over you. Allow the peace of Christ to reign within you. Because when you're at peace with Christ, and this is why Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Focus on today. I am with you. You're going to have many trials and tribulations, but behold, I have overcome them all. So stay here with me. And in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Jesus is after maintaining peace in your heart, in my heart. Why? Because that's one of the devil's biggest battlefield tools that he uses to hijack our mind. He uses it on the front line to steal our peace because he knows when our, when our peace is gone, he can devour us instantly because then we're anxious, we're fearful, we're worried. And he comes right in and sabotages us. So stand firm so that the, your love does not grow cold. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole nations as a testimony. Now, I'm going to give you just kind of a little bit of background on Matthew 24, just because I think it's cool. I think it's really cool. Because in verse chapter 15, when Jesus says, so when you see standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are on the roof of his house go down and take nothing with him. Let no one go back into the field and take his cloak. So basically in, in the gospel, Matthew's gospel, chapter 24, Jesus is talking about two themes here. He's talking about uh, he's actually talking about 70 AD when Jerusalem was overtaken, when Jerusalem fell, the Romans leveled the city, they entered the holies of holies, they defiled it. And um, this is what Jesus is, is kind of giving a heads up for the people, because he's telling us two things in chapter 24. He's telling us something that already happened in 70 AD, Jerusalem was going to be leveled. And that's the first part of Matthew chapter 24, but then he jumps to in verse 36, talking about the day, the day, and I'm coming back. And he tells us these things, these two things, always, he always tells us and gives us heads up to protect us and guide us in, in everything, which is why the scripture is so powerful to protect us and guide us. So this is the day. The day and the hour is unknown. No one knows about the day or the hour, not even the angels. And these are Jesus' words. Nor the son, but only the father, as it was in the days of Noah, right? So it will be in the coming of the son of man. So in the days of Noah, what happened? What did Noah preach for about 100 years before the door closed on the ark? You would think that was enough time for people to say, hmm, you know what? Maybe I should jump on that boat. And Jesus is using that as an example because 
<laughs> there's been a lot of preaching going on for over 2000 years since Jesus came and the gospel. And there's a lot of, of witness to the presence of God around us. And yet the heart of many grow cold. Keep watch, stand firm, flee from the things of the flesh, pursue the things of the spirit. It's a simple message here, my brothers and sisters in Christ. If we make it too complex, the emotions can get squirrely and things get really messy as we, as we muck our, our way around as human beings. Keep it simple. Holy Spirit, help me to keep watch on the things that you want me to watch, to stand firm in the things you want me to stand firm in, and protect my heart in your love so it doesn't grow cold. So he's talking about the day here. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. So he's just giving you a heads up. Hey, there's going to be, for the days of Noah, people were, um, before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage up to the day of Noah and entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood, even though Noah was preaching every day. Um, the flood came and took them all away. That's how it's going to be at the coming of the Son of Man. So he is giving us a heads up. Hey, you don't know the time that I'm coming. Be ready. Keep watch. Stand firm. Flee from the flesh. Pursue the things of God in the spirit. Therefore, he says it again. Keep watch. Keep watch. Um, just to pause for a moment, I wanted to, before moving on, and, and this is my, my uh, ADD jumping in here, so I apologize for that. I own that. Abomination, which is spoken about a little bit earlier in chapter 24, verse 4, 15. So when you see standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation, he's actually pulling from the prophet Daniel, Daniel eleven thirty one 31, to be exact. Um, and he's talking about the abomination that causes desolation is actually pagan sacrifices, adultery. Sometimes, um, like in the book of Kings, it was often linked to child sacrifice, the killing of children. Abomination is, is known as a great sin. And so Jesus was waking us up to, hey, watch out for adultery. Watch out for sacrifices and uh, stand firm because I'm coming and it will be so fast. You will not even know what hit you. So what can you do? You can prepare yourself now. So in verse 42, he says, therefore, keep watch. So keep watch again, stand firm, keep watch because you don't know the day that I'll come, Jesus is saying. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time the thief was coming, he would have kept watch. There you go. That's the third time. Keep watch, keep watch, keep watch. And then the house would not have been broken into. So you must be ready, right? That's another way of saying keep watch because the son of man will come at an hour when you don't expect him. Who is the wise and faithful servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in their household to give them their food in the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Jesus is saying, be ready, stay awake, keep watch, flee the things of the flesh, pursue the things of the spirit. To get a little bit deeper, 
second Timothy in second Timothy three, one through five, Paul even says, Hey, mark this in the end times. So this is kind of butting up to Matthew chapter 24 in the new Testament. Paul's basically affirming this in the end times, there will be terrible, terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, lovers of evil, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with these things. Do not touch, do not taste. If you want kind of a extra credit assignment from today's podcast, go to 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, read that list and ask the Holy Spirit, where do you want to train me up? I'm listening. Which one of these 20 some things do you want to work with, with me on? Am I boastful? Am I slanderous? Do I have excuses? Well, they asked me not to say anything, but I'm looking for some wisdom here. Be very careful. Satan uses great trickery to get us to stumble. Stay close, my friends, because now is the time to stay closer today than yesterday, to keep watch, to stand firm. Matthew 25, and we're going to end with this. This is an incredible setup. Jesus is the ultimate teacher. Unbelievable. He lays out, hey, there are two things I want you to be aware of. Uh, why? Because I want to protect and guide you. Be aware of in, um, coming up in 40, 40 years, and, and that's, that's the time when um, typically uh, uh, a generation lasts 40 years at that time. So in 40 years from now, about 70 AD, this place is going to be flattened. The Romans came in, they flattened the city, it did happen. They entered the Holy of Holies, they defiled it, the abomination Basically, they came in and they sacrificed in the Holy of Holies. It was adultery. So they basically repeated what the abomination that was going on in the Old Testament as well. In fact, abomination, the word abomination actually appears over 100 times in the Old Testament. Only a few times in the New Testament. This is one of them. So keep watch on those pagan sacrifices or any kind of worldly sacrifices that are happening around us today. Flipping back to 25, Jesus lays it out in three parables. In fact, these are known as the three parables that um, describe the kingdom of heaven at the time of judgment. So Jesus masterfully teaches the two themes. Hey, Jerusalem's going to be flattened. It was in 70 AD. And also I'm coming again. That one hasn't happened yet, my friends. And so, so let's lean into this because this is the time. Things are getting very dark out there. First parable, parable of the 10 virgins. This, and, and by the way, these three parables, it's too late for a change of heart. This is, this is Noah closing the door, right? There's been a hundred years of preaching in Noah's time. Jesus, there's been over 2000 years of preaching come on, this is the time we've got to train up <laughs> because Jesus is coming. And so these three parables are to show us, ah, okay. So this is what it's really going to, this is what's really going to roll out. 
when he comes again. Um, couple words in the first parable, parable of the 10 virgins. Um, five of them are wise, five of them are foolish. The foolish ones took their lamps, but didn't have any oil for them. So what's the oil here that we're talking about in, in this parable? The oil at that time stood for, um, Jesus was speaking about the Holy Spirit. So the oil is actually what gives the lamp the ability to burn. And they didn't have any oil. So they weren't connected to the Holy Spirit within them. And because then he, Jesus talks about there was wise ones that had oil in their jars along with their lamps. And he's re referring to jars here and jars. Uh, Paul refers to that as well. Jars, metaphorically, it's your body. So oil in the body. So the Holy Spirit in your body. This is stay close to the Holy Spirit, basically, he's saying. Be, be the person that, that literally is cheek to cheek with the Holy Spirit. Praying to the Holy Spirit, calling on the Holy Spirit. Keep your oil burning so that you can outshine the darkness. Because in Matthew 5, 15, it says, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a bushel or a bowl. Puts it on a lampstand for everyone to see it. So my coaching question to you today, my friends, is your lamp burning in a way that others can see your love for Christ? Come closer. And allow the Lord to turn up that power within you through the Holy Spirit. It's mentioned in verse six, at midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come and meet him. Now, why is midnight important? This is an important word because this is when the world around us is the darkest. This is what Jesus has said, wickedness is increasing. People's hearts are turning cold. These five virgins didn't have oil. They didn't have the connection to the Holy Spirit. Their hearts turned cold for whatever reason. So they weren't prepared because when the bridegroom comes, it's go time. Then all the virgins woke up, trimmed their lamps. The foolish one says, give me some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. Now, what is that? Victimization. Be very careful of entitlement and victimization. Take ownership of your faith before Christ, with Christ, in Christ. That is your responsibility. And he adores you. Don't look to your right, to your left. Stay in your lane. When you start looking at somebody else's lane, you're going to trip and fall. So you stay in your lane and be prepared. Keep your oil burning. Spend your time with God. Start your day with God. End your day with God. Do many retreats throughout the day. Ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom. Wake up. Stand firm. Keep watch. So what happens? The bridegroom came. The door was shut. Now, this is a reference again to Noah, because after he preached for 100 years, the door was shut and they couldn't get in. The rains came and everyone perished. Jesus loves us enough to let us know, hey, guys, this is coming. Get ready. Keep watch. Again, verse 13, he says, therefore, keep watch because you don't know the day or the hour. So that's our message. Stand firm. Keep watch. The second parable that declares, this is one of the uh, parables that declare the kingdom of God during the time of judgment. Second one is the parable of the talents. He gives one five, one two, one one. Um, the journey it speaks about, that the, there was a man that went on a journey. He's speaking about himself. Jesus went on a journey after the resurrection to heaven. He gave us the Holy Spirit. He went up. 40 days later, the Spirit comes down. 
Jesus was on earth for 40 days. So 40 days is, is that time of, of closure that's used um, linked to transformation, to anchor the transformation, 40 days. So Jesus went up and he's using himself kind of in the story here of, again, it will be like a man going on a journey. That's me who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. He's entrusted you, my friend, with certain talents. You can do things I can't. Don't look to the right and to the left. Comparison will keep you compromised in your calling. So there's five talents, there's two talents, there's one talent, each according to his ability. That's a key piece. Just know he's given you exactly what he knows that, that is aligned with your ability. So no need for comparison. Then he went on his journey. And the man who had five and two talents, they multiplied their gifts. But the one who had one talent was afraid, lived in fear, buried his talent, didn't use what God gave him. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you what he wants to do with what he's given you to glorify God. It's a simple prayer. Dear God, you've given me specific talents. Am I using them in a way that you want me to use them? Am I in the field, the place where you want me to to be at this time. I give you permission to move me to another place if there's some other place. But in the meantime, I'm going to choose to serve you in excellence right here, right now, until I am very clear that you want me to go somewhere else. And if not, then here's the place. And I give you my talent. So multiply it for your glory. So that's the parable of the talents. Basically, maximize and use what God has given you. And then the famous, the sheep and the goats. That's the third parable here. And this one's pretty clear pretty straight up. This is the third parable in chapter uh, 25. And Jesus gets right to the point. When I come back in my glory and all the angels are with me, and I'm going to be sitting on the throne in the heavenly glory, all the nations will be gathered before me. And you know what? They're going to be separated from one another, the sheep and the goats. The goats will be those who did not do what I've called them to do. The sheep will be the ones that do do what I call them to do and have done it. When I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was a stranger, you invited me in. When I needed clothes, you clothed me. When I was sick, you visited and looked after me. When I was in prison, you came to visit me. What do all of these things have in common? The second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. So perhaps tomorrow when you wake up, you can Throw out a simple prayer. Dear God, what's my give back project today? Help me to be so attentive, so awake, standing firm and awake today that I am so watchful as to how your hand guides me to make somebody else's life easier. Show me what that looks like, feels like, sounds like. Move me because I want to be a sheep <laughs> when you come back. And you're separating the goats and the sheep. I want to be a sheep. So make me a sheep today, Lord. Help me to see you. As Mother Teresa says, I, I, I see and on the, around the statement of um, help me to satisfy your thirst, Mother Teresa would often say, by loving well all the distressing disguises of Jesus. This is what Jesus is talking about, all the distressing disguises. Love people well. And so the theme coming back to sum them things up, keep watch, stand firm, and just throwing in a little bit of revelations here. Jesus uses the word overcomes in the first couple of chapters four times. To he, 
he who overcomes, whoever overcomes, then this, they'll eat from the tree of life. Their name will be written on the, on the stone. Good things happen when you overcome. So add that word. So the three words to take from today's podcast, keep watch, stand firm, overcome. How do you do that? Ask for discernment. As we read through the book of James or the, the book of Timothy as well, stand firm and flee from this and pursue that. First Timothy 6, 11, second Timothy 2 uh, verses 24, pursue this. Let go of that, pursue this. And then in 2 Timothy 3, 2 Timothy actually would be a great one, first and second Timothy to read through. Uh, chapter three gives you that list, three, one through five. So that gives you the specific boots on the ground. Holy Spirit, okay, you want me to keep watch. You want me to stand firm. You want me to do less of this and more of that. And you want me to overcome. So keep watch, stand firm, overcome. This is only possible by the power of the Holy Spirit within you to help you discern and manage so that you can love well as Jesus did and fulfill the second greatest commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now is the time, my friends, to stand firm, not allowing ourselves to be burdened by the yoke of slavery, by the wickedness that's increasing, the darkness that's surrounding us, so that we can run and not grow weary, walk and not faint, and literally carry the torch, lift high his name, march through the darkness with the light of his name until the glory of God is seen by the world. Let us carry the torch of the Lord. Holy Spirit, give us the grace to flee from the flesh and to pursue the things that God adores. Set us free. Help us to keep watch, to stand firm, and to overcome so that when you come back, we can hear your sweet voice and you recognize us. I know him. I know her. She belongs to me. He belongs to me. I've walked with her. I've walked with him. Come, enjoy your inheritance. Well done, my good and faithful servant. So give him heaven out there. There's enough of that darkness, that midnight hour, Keep your oil burning by staying close to the Holy Spirit. And I look forward to joining you next time at another Edge God In podcast. God bless you today.